Hi everyone, this is Judy and Janet. We're from We Help 100, part of the Helps 100 movement. You might be wondering, what is the Helps 100 movement? It is the Freedom Seekers movement that provides the path to creating $10,000 in commission, $1,000 a week in recurring income, and a dream car paid for all within 100 days. For 20 years, we had successful massage and wellness businesses. Over the years, we had exhilarating successes and crushing failures. We're going to talk about these in upcoming episodes. We used to say, if money were no object, we would travel the world doing bodywork for free. And now, we're part of a global community that travels full-time house and pet sitting around the world. Welcome to Episode 8, What You Need to Know If You Want to Move or Relocate Your Practice. So today we want to talk about things to consider if you are moving either out of the area that you're currently in, out of state, to a different region, cross-country, um, various factors to consider in that kind of a move. So in the U.S., uh, which is what we're talking about right now in the United States, um, licensing is different from state to state and then in some states still from county to county or region to region. And, and some, even city to city. Yeah, some city to city. So it's not just about making the decision to, I'm going to move. This is an area where your planning goes a long way. That being said, there are some things about moving that require almost a leap of faith kind of attitude. Um, so we're just going to run down this grouping, and we're really interested in what you guys are all thinking. If any of you have ever moved, please leave us a comment if there are things that you encountered or observations you have. And if you're thinking of moving, um, again, there, please leave us some comments, and we'll answer, answer them. Yeah, we'd love to reach out and help you. Um, in addition to, um, like Janet said, taking a leap of faith, you can make the move a little bit easier by doing some homework in advance. And things that you might want to research are, in addition to the specific massage licensing, um, what the requirements might be for a business license in your city, state, region, county, um, what the demographics are looking like in that new area. Um, well, and you also want to make sure if you're going to be selling anything or if your area um, incurs a tax on massage, you're going to need the proper tax forms and tax registration. So those are all things that once you know where you want to go, you can start accumulating that information and you can find out, for example, when can you start to apply for a massage license in another state. Do you need to have a residence address or do you just have to be planning to come into the area? Everybody's um, requirements are a little bit different. And on top of that, you'll also need business licenses. So that's another area that many times to have a business in a certain area, you also have to be somehow affiliated to the county um, as being either a resident or um, uh, somebody that lives in the locale. Right. So we found, um we're actually ABMP members, and we found that they had some good resources on regulations within the states that we were moving to and from uh, as a starting place for that right. research. I'm sure AMT, AMTA has the same kind of thing. Um, and then how are you going to market yourself in this new area that you want to go to? What do you know about the therapists that are currently there? 
and as Judy was saying, the demographics of the people. So is this a population that is suited to the kinds of work you do or how can you take the work you do and spin it so that it is enticing um, for the people in your new market? Right, adapting whatever techniques and approach that you're very successful in to apply those to this new uh, market. And as we talked about in earlier episodes, if you have really uh, differentiated yourself by finding a sub-niche where you are a specialist in a particular area, it would be really helpful if you are aware of the potential in that market segment within this new geographic area that you're moving to. And actually, Janet had some really good ideas about doing some advanced planning and connecting with those uh, potential networks. Yeah, you can go ahead and reach out ahead of time to um, physical therapists or doctors in the area. Um, We do very well when we connect with hospice locations because we really enjoy working with staff that work at local hospices. So finding a way to get a chair massage contract before you even get into an area is something that ensures you're going to have income sooner than later. Um, We also, very quickly when we moved from uh, a cold part of the country to a warm part of the country, uh, we went to City Hall and we were able to acquire a chair massage contract with City Hall and that really, uh, that and hospice made us very well received in the community and it was an, I think a quicker way to go than using some traditional advertising and networking uh, resources. Right. One of the other things that we did in in our, right after the move in our new community was we did some volunteering. Do you remember Mm -hmm. when we volunteered for the Pan Am Games? Oh, right, right. The city that we moved to was actually hosting a triathlon that was a qualifier for the Pan Am Games. And we had only been in town, I don't know, a couple of weeks and we saw an ad for this and we thought, well, let's go down and check this out. And we didn't know if when we first reached out if we were going to be able to maybe do a sports massage, you know, at a tent after the event, but they already had that set up. So we volunteered at the finish line. And as Janet said, it was a great way to kind of introduce ourselves to the community. We got to meet some of the key players that would plan an event of that magnitude. And um, it really helped to open some doors for us when we did open the business. Yeah. um, The other thing is, I I know that some of our go-tos are things like doing um, health and wellness events and community events, and some of those pan out and some of them don't. We find that a lot of times you get a lot of interest at the event, especially if you're offering some sort of either demo chair or demo table work, um, but that it doesn't always translate. And I think some of that is because it's very difficult to spend the kind of time to connect one-on-one with people right. where they can really see themselves coming in and meeting with you. I think one of the best things that uh, Judy ever did when we first moved was she introduced herself to the head physical therapist at the local hospital. And she went and did a talk uh, right. just they, about ergonomics. and Right, right. They were doing, uh, it was the lead up to an OSHA training um, where we were really just talking about safe lifting and I was talking about ergonomics and um, really just understanding Body how, to, mechanics. Yeah, how, to, how to prevent injuries and, and some of the um, approaches that we would take if somebody were already having you know, issues. So just kind of finding different ways of giving you know, 
introducing yourself to the community by maybe giving some talks or showing up at different events and, and just making yourself known within a community, especially if it's a smaller community, word gets out very quickly about how generous you are and then you're much more uh, apt to be received in a positive way. And then as far as uh, your sub-niche market goes, if your sub-niche market is having an event or if they congregate somewhere or there's a particular location or a time of month that they're together, you can always reach out and uh, do a talk, give a demo, um, have a conversation. Don't just hand out cards. Really make yourself one of the community. Um, and then as we were saying, some of the best return on investment ideas for us were not from the a marketing one, from a marketing perspective. We're not necessarily the ad in the local paper or the right. ad on the placemat at the local, oh, you know, restaurant. VFW or restaurants, yeah. right? We, not, it wasn't even for wellness uh, welcome wagon, which many of you may never have heard of. It's a, an old-fashioned kind of thing, but it was still in our town. We found our best return on investment was that one-on-one -on -one getting to know each other and using chair massage clients as a way to spread the word. And then also within the medical community, really getting to know some of those people, giving some gift certificates mm -hmm. and, to the medical community and having them come to us and then they would refer their clients or patients. So from a more practical perspective, once you've identified the geographic region you're going to and the market that you're going to be working within that um, new region, you might want to think about things like, you know, what sort of space will you be working in? Will you be working for someone else or will you have to find your own space? What, is the, what does the market look like for commercial space? Um, are you bringing your own equipment or are you maybe currently using someone else's equipment at a different facility and you don't have that? So that's a different, another kind of expense that you'll incur if you're having to start up a whole new practice with new equipment. I know the first time we moved, when we moved cross country, we took everything. We took the tables, the chairs, the sheets, everything. I mean, even all of the side tables, everything that you would use to furnish a complete office. And this last time that we moved, <laughs> we actually donated and sold everything that we could possibly donate or sell. And we have very minimal things with us because as full-time house and pet sitters that travel the world, we now really, when we're in the U.S., travel by car. So all of our stuff has to fit in our vehicle, which isn't a super big vehicle. And we don't even own tables or massage chairs now. We are creative in how we accomplish body work with clients when we do see clients. So give that some thought as far as um, the cost of moving things with you versus the cost of replacing or buying when you get there. Actually, I'm glad you mentioned cost because that's a, that should really be a big part of your plan as well. Because as you know, we've talked many times about kind of the, uh, the income stream and the current for massage therapists. If you're not working, you're not earning. So during this downtime, when you're transitioning from one location to another, you're not going to have active clients. So that means you have to plan ahead. You either have some savings or, as we've been talking quite a lot about, have some recurring passive income that can help, help carry you along and bridge that gap while you're in transition. Yeah, that gives you just an extra sense of freedom that you don't have to worry about. So anytime you can position yourself with passive recurring income, it is a way for you to be able to take control of what you want, 
when you want, where you want, and you're not at the mercy of all of the other factors that sometimes uh, come into play. It gives you so much more flexibility in the choices that you make within your life and you know, the timing of when you can do those different things. Yeah. And the other thing I would say is um, concerning licensing, uh, remember that not every state has stringent licensing laws. And so depending on where you are now, where you're going to, um, you may find that you have a much easier process, especially if there's what's called reciprocity from state to state, getting your licensing. Um, or you may find that there's extra work that has to be done. And some of that, if it's in, in the form of additional education, you can do that while you're in your current um, location before you make this uh, big leap. The other thing I would say about licensing is what we ended up doing was as we moved from one side of the country to the other, we maintained the original licensing we had in our first state because the, the credentialing was so um, stringent and we knew it was one of the harder licenses to get. So we thought as long as we have that, if there's any reciprocity anywhere else that we go, we're in a good place to start from. So that's something to think about too. It's an additional expense, but it's definitely something to think about if you think that you may be moving uh, more than once. Yeah. So hopefully you found some of this interesting and helpful. If you have any questions or comments or observations, please share them. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Talk to you soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We're looking for 100 like-minded massage therapists, body workers, and healers to join the We Help 100 movement. Are you ready to realize your dreams and pursue your passion? Go to wehelp100.com and apply now to become one of the 100 people we are helping. And you'll help 100 others do the same. Come on the ride with us and let's see how our journey unfolds. We're going to be talking about what we're doing, what works, what doesn't work, the ups, the downs, and of course we're sharing the aha moments. Thanks for listening to Judy and Janet at Helping 100 Massage Therapist Podcast. Subscribe, comment, and share it. We're excited to see who the 100 people are that we'll be helping.